So recently, recently, there's been this trend mm-hmm. on TikTok. Okay. Because that's the only thing I'm going to reference ever on this podcast, apparently. And you're the last millennial with a TikTok. Like, I respectfully disagree. With your walker, like, I'm coming to see what the trends are. <laughs> that's going to be them in five years. I can't that's wait. That's you entering the chat in TikTok. Great. I love it. Yes. Well, I get preferential seating, so I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, you, you get the early bird special. I do. Oh, it's so. great. So there's this trend of Gen Z, millennial, whoever, of a, a typical day in New York City. And it's always like very glamorous. Like, oh, I live in Manhattan and I get up and I go to this teeny tiny cafe with my teeny tiny cup of coffee. We were doing so well. And then someone, probably Miko, chose violence. Yeah. <laughs> she has this thing where she like paws at her food bowl and just like creates chaos for no reason. None. <laughs> There's none reason. And she's just like, this thing's fun. And this you know those is- <laughs> like kid like pool parties that you'd have in the summer and there would always be one kid who would just like make waves yeah. and everyone's just trying to have a chill time like sit in the pool and that person is like <laughs> making waves that's Miko mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. person who cannibals right next to you when you're sunbathing it's Miko so rude anyway so, so anyway trend in New York City trend of like my typical day in New York City and I was watching it and I was like either I'm really behind on the times or my experience is just nothing at all like yours because here's a real realistic day in New York city. Okay. You wake up because your neighbor has entered their daily domestic spar with their partner. Mm-hmm. You maybe run down to the local Duncan, but mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know that your neighborhood tweaker is going to be on the corner and you have to decide pro con. Do I want to go buy them today? And is it worth that? it? Yeah. yeah. So let's say you do go get the coffee. You come back, go across the street to avoid the tweaker this time, come home. And now your super is there because your upstairs neighbors have leaked into your bathroom and now your bathroom is flooded. So he takes care of this. You, sit outside on your fire escape until you realize that it's garbage day and the smell has wafted to you and I gotta tell you it's not pleasant so you deal with it for a minute until you see the giant rat you come inside and that's the end of your day rinse repeat yeah that's plus or minus a lot of like ambulance slash police car oh, all the time that's just you know you yeah you don't even notice that because you're just so used to it because you're deaf from all the noise (laughs) so that's right. what a day in New York City is really like. Honestly, I know that it sounds, it's like New York is like equal parts great and terrible. And I just, I love it. Like, it's fantastic. I think in any major city though, most people who don't live there are like, why do you people like this? And then the people who live That's there are right. like, no, it's great. Don't hate on it. It's great. There's this one donut shop. You'll love it. Like there, there's no logical reason to it. You just like where you live. I wonder yeah. if it's just, if, if it's like being in an abusive relationship, you just learn to just accept yeah. it. And yes. Excuse everything. Yes. Lots of, lots of red flags, but there's really you don't care food. about those because <laughs> oh. they tell you they love you yep. and, and then you have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I feel. And that's a in, real New York city day. In other news, mm-hmm. I recently bought tennis equipment because I feel like that's going to be a great journey for me. Wow. I was so. paying good money to watch you <laughs> play tennis because any sport with a ball flying at you, I have to say, Hannah, I don't predict is going to go well. One, I was a softball champ in high school. I was one of like eight of us. And so I was holding it down. Wow. Like a real one. Okay. And two, I can see your point and (laughs) I understand your concerns. However, point three, I feel like it would be a great new activity for me. So Luke and I were walking around Cambridge. Luke is my husband. 
and we were walking around Cambridge and there's this park called Jesus Green and it has it's named after Jesus College oddly not like Jesus our Lord and Savior it's it's an interesting naming convention okay. but <laughs> Jesus Green <laughs> so we're walking by it it's along the river it's beautiful and there are these tennis courts and I was like oh you know probably lockdown brain but I was like oh wouldn't that be fun to play tennis sometime and Luke was like yeah that would be fun and immediately if you know anything about me, I'm like, must buy equipment, <laughs> new activity found, hobby. <laughs> like, So I immediately went on Amazon, got us two Wilson tennis rackets Ooh. and enough balls to conquer China. So did you get the skirt? No, no. I'm going to be a leggings girl. I'm not going to be wow. that. I'm not going to be that girl. Mm-mm. That's the whole reason I start new hobbies is for the outfit. Yeah. See, we're the opposite. I actually want to try the activity. No. Emma just wants to dress for the activity. So yeah. So I will keep you posted, but Maria Sharapova, look out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look out. And also, also I have finished another pretty good Netflix series. I knew uh, it finished it in a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a dark place to be in. I'll be honest with you. Cause the, the sad question is when people are like, Oh, how long did it take you to finish? And you're like, I'd rather not say like, <laughs> I, how long did I, it take you times two? I know <laughs> it's like when someone, when you were like a, in your early twenties or maybe mm-hmm. still for some of us, when someone like asked you the number of people that you slept with and you were like, subtract five divide by two and then add one just for safety (laughs) um yeah it's I I always finish Netflix series really quickly and I happened to finish this one today and I started watching it today so it must have been short though because you went to your in-laws today too it was. So it was only six episodes, which I feel like is very valid. Six hours? You know? What's that in a day? <laughs> yeah. Don't talk about how long each episode is. <laughs> that makes it sound sad. So... They're only 30 minutes. That's fine. <laughs> they were 20 minutes. It's Bob's Burgers. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so anyway, it was it was pretty good. It's another one of those like YA series. It was mm-hmm, called mm-hmm. Fate. Ooh. And it's about fairies. So... <laughs> Like, you know how they're trying to rebrand fairies? Like, it's never Tinkerbell. It's always like, no, fairies aren't this, like, Disney character. They're this wild, magical creature. And so... I'm about fairies like the fae kind of fairies, not like... That's what they're trying to rebrand, but they called them fairies. Okay. They're fae, but it's fine. It's fame. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Everyone, I will respect your now. <laughs> oh, that just came to me. Yeah. So we were all raised religiously in some right. context or another, you know, sure. like um Brian, I'm not sure if I know that mom and Auntie were Catholic. I don't know if she maintained that religion or not. We were just non-denominational Christian, plus my dad's cult. So yeah. um plus or minus a cult. Plus or minus a cult. But I will say that the Christian shows were all the same. You know, you've got your veggie yeah. tales, you've got your Bible yes. man, oh God, you've got yes. like, yeah. yeah. So I had a, something unlocked within me one night. I don't know why. I think I saw someone had posted like one of those old 90s infomercials and it just, this came to me. And I don't Did know. Someone if say, knew. if you like, and you immediately went into to talk to tomatoes. Was that it? <laughs> no, this is not veggie tales. This is about something that I don't even know if you guys are going to remember because this was like, deep in the recess <laughs> this was in the back of this the vault. was because it was an audio series and i think they developed movies and things like that but i think it Is started it the odyssey as an, adventures in odyssey i have yes. seen it and i know it wow. <laughs> i was like uh, and i don't I got, okay. think of it i got another one for you okay do you remember 
McGee and Me. Yes, I love McGee and Me. McGee, yeah. it was the it was the OG Lizzie McGuire thing where the cartoon McGee yeah. and Me. I can't believe you don't remember this. This is a staple in Sorry. the Christian household. This Bad is- 90s kid. Oh, it's, <laughs> it was it was it was popping though. It was a good show. It I don't was know. lit. It was I so say? lit. Um, oh, so that reminds me, before I lose this thought, there's this thing called chugi. Have you heard of it? No, it sounds like a no. Korean food. So this is a this is a term that's been in Urban Dictionary for a while. And it's been Am I gonna hate this? Yes, it's been <laughs> okay. brought to the forefront again. And it's just chuggy is synonymous with outdated. So now the trend is the things that millennials like that everyone has deemed chuggy, which would be side parts, skinny jeans, things of that nature. Us talking about it makes us chuggy. So, but what does saying chuggy make them? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Um, losers, I think, is actually the thought that came to my mind immediately. But loser, loser with a twist. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, loser, double loser. As a okay, I can't go down that road again. Anyway, Adventures in Odyssey. I thought of it, and I was like, we all were raised in a similar environment. Surely they'll know what I'm talking about. I did. And I have seen the movies. Wow, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, a I think my mom had the audio cassettes as well. The cassette Left, tapes. Left Behind <laughs> was another one. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, I read the Left Behind books. Terrifying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because one of them was like, they're on a plane and people were just gone. And I'm like, what if the pilot was gone? (laughs) Yeah. What if the pilot was gone? What if you had a Christian pilot and co-pilot and now you're dying because of the rapture? Like, I don't know. That's why they have the rule about the atheist per capita on the planes. Oh, sure. (laughs) Yeah. You have to have so many atheists per crew members and flight crew because in the event of the rapture, someone has to be there. You're going down, down, you know, that's, how it goes. So, <laughs> that's the rule. Okay. Something that I think, not because you partake, Brian, but you might know what I'm talking about because you're on the Reddit sphere. Um, I don't know, Hannah, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's called, I'm not in the Reddit sphere. It's called waifuism. I, I, I recognize it. I haven't, honestly, haven't been on Reddit in quite a while. Well, I'm just going to narrate my face for those who are listening. It's sheer disbelief slash shock slash never heard that before in my life. So. Well, you're going to wish you didn't know when I tell you, which is right uh. now, uh, that waifuism is basically marrying, dating, having a relationship with a 2D character. Oh, so yeah, okay. marrying yeah. an anime character is called the waifuism. What? <laughs> the what? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and most of them are aware it's not real, but there are exceptions. Most? There are exceptions <laughs> to this policy? And I so, call it mental so give illness, me, personally. Give but. me an example. So you're making a sim. You go, this is actually a great life partner. Lisa Wu becomes your wife. <laughs> yes. And you talk about them as if they're real. You take them on dates. You get little character plushies made of them body pillows everything you know the like i think it was like a trend in the like early 2000s but there would always be a woman on most sitcoms who had a fake boyfriend like gerard who was like oh he's in france he can't come to the dinner and when people would ask about it this is worse (laughs) so it's it's that but it's like actually terrifying it's it's like the 21st manifest century manifestation of that yeah (sighs) It's some craziness. And there's like a whole subreddit dedicated to it that I'm fascinated by because I mean, they take their, their little character, I don't know what you call them, representations out on dates in public and buy them their own food. They serve them wine. They 
get a cake for both of them. It's like a thing. And okay, walk with me down this road. Okay. No, Which no. is weirder. Wait, wait, are we hand in hand? Are we strolling? Are we skipping? We're What's... arm in arm. So we're not, we, know, we have style. the ability okay. to move. Got it. But we're, we're, we're affectionate. Got it. Is it weirder the people who waifu, is that what we call it? Mm-hmm. Waifuism. Are the waifus weirder or polygamists, which are weirder? Oh, waifu for sure. Waifus are weirder. Polygamists are nastier. <laughs> no, because like there has to be part of you as a sister or brother wife. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who are we to judge? Um, <laughs> brother husband, actually. <laughs> we don't know. I do know <laughs> because life. I have them. <laughs> <laughs> but there has to be part of you that's like, we're sharing a boyfriend, husband, partner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my kids are related to your kids and they live adjacent. And then you have to think like Appalachia, like what if, you know, a couple years down the line, you know, Susie and John start to be like, Hey, you know, we're <laughs> I'm just saying like, that's the line of weird there. No. So <laughs> I don't know any ancestral polygamists that would probably no, be weird. No. for me. Nobody but... does a spinoff for the kids. It's always the you, parents. Have you watched sister wives? Yeah. Like five episodes. Wow, I've watched like 13 seasons. So that's my trashy TV of choice. I just can't, this might be a weird wall to put up. But for me, if a plot line isn't logical, I can't watch it. And for me, the guy that was the husband on Sister Wives, like no one's marrying you, dude. Like you are, you are annoying. You are not attractive. These women that you're with are like very decent people. Like none of them were uneducated or unattractive or missing any teeth, like they were they were all like high quality strong empowered women who were dating this guy with like a quasi mullet and bad I will genes. say when he married the first 3 he was attractive because when he was younger no. when he was a young guy he was attractive he was when he was attractive. Yes, he was yes he was when he was a oh young oh my kid, gosh you would be a sister wife I you would were going to get die. sucked in I'd rather die than share a dick personally but that's just me <laughs> that's going on your tombstone <laughs> <laughs> but then in my obit yeah the last thing she ever said (laughs) just to be clear about who she was (laughs) my mom would like lose her mind sorry darling (laughs) sorry when you listen to this mom sorry mom uh yeah brian do you have any thoughts anything (laughs) not like that you nasty get out of here i'm not gonna ask my cousin's opinion on my sex life i was talking about it was just a funny transmission transmission transition (laughs) do we speak english debatable (laughs) it was a funny transition into the sister wives waifu conversation yeah well about your sex life to digress a lot waifuism (laughs) just really regress so way back (laughs) we're going like rewinding reverse vomiting all of it we're back (laughs) we're back to where we started That's what you sound like. You sound like a chicken. You can't reverse mama without that noise. That's what it sounds like. That's no okay. Yes, it is. Anyway, anyway, (laughs) Uh, super asides. Anything, Brian, you'd like to add to the chit chat portion of this conversation? Because we are way off where we started. Did we have Um, a road, a path? No. (laughs) The yellow brick road was like deuces. I, I mean, I guess I will say it's funny you bring this up because earlier this week. considered waifuism (laughs) yes no Um, he's like kelly it's been great 
Goodbye. You I cannot compare to my better. sin woman. <laughs> <laughs> she's not real, but she's real to me. <laughs> no, no. Earlier this week, I was listening to another podcast about MGTOWs and incels. Ugh, and okay. oh, not the whole, it's not like the whole podcast is about that, but they were doing an episode on that. Hannah, do you know what MGTO and incels are? You got to explain it to Hannah because she doesn't exist in the same like weird world that we sure. do when it comes to neckbeards. So That's, that is totally fair and better. She's better for it. Yes. MGTOW. So pure. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. MGTOW is an acronym for men going their own way. And they're basically guys who have sworn off women for the rest of their lives for various reasons, mainly just because they're angry that they can't easily get women. But like um, monastically or like, so it we're started going with men or we're going with mm-hmm. plants. Like where, where are we going to? It started as just a focus on yourself movement rather than right. like make dating your whole life. It was more like, Hey, I'm going to start my own business. And it was like-minded people in that environment who like, were not angry at women at this point at the very beginning. It was more mm-hmm. just like, it, it's like a woman support group, like a single woman support group, basically just like a explore yourself your hobbies this this, and that you know like don't worry about dating and then it just went yeah over a cliff okay so men going their own way we've sworn off women we don't we don't have a direction we're going we're just going right okay yeah and then incels are involuntary celibates and they are men who are angry about the fact that they are celibate and they feel like women are actively refusing them attention that they deserve so incels okay. are a bit more sinister than um, MGTOWs. Terrifying. But in listening, yeah. In listening to this episode, I couldn't help but feel like MGTOWs and especially incels are really just like lonely, socially awkward guys who could really benefit from just like maybe some therapy and yep. Yep, lots, just like lots. believing in themselves a little bit more and not not like putting women on this pedestal that they then feel like they have to overcome. I will say something that I find very interesting, and I don't know if it holds true in all cases, but in a lot of cases, in guys that I've been friends with or that I've known who are not these acronyms, but who would identify as like undateable, like they feel like they're never going to get a girlfriend. They, they, they were straight in this case, but they're never going to find a woman who wants them for them their taste was always very interesting to me because it was always very much so a superficial thing. Like Mm -hmm. they wanted her to look a certain way or to have a certain job or to be a certain thing and to like fit this mold. But it was so interesting to listen to because like they were so unwilling to compromise on any of that. But then they'd speak as if every woman on the planet had lined up and said, no, 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 like one at a time as he passed by them. So it's just very interesting to me because I think there's almost there, I won't say almost always, but there is a lot of, in a lot of cases, a huge dichotomy between this is what I want and all of the people that I'm attracted to are not attracted to me. And it never really clicks. Like, even if you point it out, it's like, well, what about this? Or what about considering this instead of an Instagram model. And there's always like, no, well, you know, I don't want to be with just anyone. And it's like, but you do, yeah. you, you're saying you do. So it's always a very interesting conversation for me to, you know, when you would, you just want to sit in the room, like you're going mm-hmm. to lunch and you're listening to someone else's conversation. You're either sitting with a friend who's also in on it, or you're just sitting by yourself, but you're just like, 
listening. Yeah. That's, that's that kind of conversation that I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak for all men, but, you know, uh, being a, I a man. <laughs> Emma is um, I take up the mantle. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do know from some experience, I, you know, it's like, I, I would never say that I was ever to the level of like an incel or a MGTOW or anything like that. But, you know, earlier in my life, you know, I was kind of late to the dating game and I did feel a certain amount of like maybe rejection that wasn't actually there. But I, I think in a lot of cases, guys who feel this way, it just stems from inexperience. Because the thing is like, once I got out there and, you know, dated for a little bit and then like got married and now I'm getting divorced, <laughs> you know, I realized that like, I was making it out to be way harder than it actually is. And a lot of that stems to, uh, from expectations, you know, and what I look for in a woman now is very different from what I looked for in a woman 10 years ago. So, and that is almost exclusively born from experience. Mm. So I think a lot of these guys just, they need to get over themselves and just get out there and actually experience life and stop whining about the fact that they can't get it right the first time. also say stop trying to date every single woman that you interact with if you want to establish a serious relationship in your life you need to have friendships and you know all guys dread the word friend zone but actually you should start in the friend zone because the friend zone is where you're going to grow the best relationships from like the advice i i would give to anybody is be friends with someone before you date them that's how my husband and i met and I just think you're always going to be at a slight disadvantage if you start from a we're going to date perspective instead of I like you as a person and then, oh, I also like you as a romantic partner. Like, I just think stop trying to date everyone because the energy that you're going to put off is very sometimes aggressive, sometimes desperate, but it's not the energy that is your authentic self. And so that person may actually like you, but because you're so eager to like, get another notch on your belt and like pursue her, pursue her, pursue her. It, it just immediately puts someone off. I don't believe yeah. in the friend zone. I was about to say, I was like, I hate the word friend zone. I don't I think, think it's real because this is built on an expectation of sexual gratification. I think it's and like Pluto. It doesn't exist. It's just, <laughs> and you know, people always talk about like, it came, it's a male term, right? This came from men who were- Absolutely because of the patriarchy, like so much in our world. Who, <laughs> who were upset that, you know, this yep. woman that they had a romantic interest in did not romantically return that. And so therefore they were quote unquote friend zoned. And all I can say is that being sex zoned is real and so much worse than being- friend zoned you know we've talked about this because they intrinsically see your only value in a sexual context you know yeah. like you should be friends with people learn how to be friends with people <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know i don't know and i also think that the whole incel thing i think is a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways because there's a Definitely. fear of rejection and so it's like a, if i set my expectations so high that they cannot possibly be met by anyone who would be interested in me with and leagues aren't real like you can date whoever you want because you know feelings are subjective but i'm just saying do i expect to date like chris evans Probably. yes but also no <laughs> yes <laughs> yes chris, that's, if you're listening that's, <laughs> that's because, I, mean, I would date chris evans i mean so, truly you know. it, it comes more so from like a, a we're being facetious for the most part but i do have confidence in myself and i think that that changes the whole game so oh absolutely if you have none in yourself then like obviously i'd be like i could never get a guy like that and it's like he'd be so lucky but 
anyway that's my thoughts on uh in seldom and they get there's some people who are like they use it as an excuse to just be violent and execute violent acts there was a guy what did you add to it in seldom in seldom like not dom like dom like in, oh i was seldom. like what is happening to the world those there are intrinsically are opposite you cannot be a dom and also be an incel like they are not mutually exclusive to one another so no um there was a guy who in california back in the early, maybe mid 2000s he went on to a campus in california and he stabbed a bunch of women before he killed himself was that and, roger yeah 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 the dude and he was like i mean he was just a violent individual like i don't think yeah he was, had anything to do with it but he had heavy narcissism and his manifestations that he wrote were crazy he was like a neo-nazi it was like a whole thing so it's very strange he came, he came from like a wealthy family yeah and so i think his his perspective on life was maybe a little skewed because of that i mean he might have also had some <laughs> probably i mean if you go and stab a bunch of people something tells me something's <laughs> wrong an inclination <laughs> <laughs> i could be wrong don't, don't get me wrong you know like <laughs> don't quote me <laughs> let's not jump to conclusion i mean truly we should have we have to ask him we can't so we'll have to hold we a can. seance have a we conversation do not need that no no energy <laughs> Okay. I think we should probably get into the episode. We've done half of it already. So. <laughs> we gave away so much good content. You're so top, welcome. You but <laughs> all right, all right. Let us intro. I am Hannah. And I am Emma. And the male voice you heard, what? The <laughs> male voice you heard is Brian. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hello. <laughs> welcome to the transcontinental tea the transcontinental tea tea (laughs) (laughs) yes so brian has the esteemed privilege of being related to emma and honestly we will be asking the hard-hitting questions like was emma born this way the answer is yes but we need to ask it anyway Yes. I mean, you have this rare privilege of still meeting someone other than my mom who has known me since I was born. So I mean, I've also met a lot of your other family, but yes. Yeah. Well, Sarah screamed when she first saw me. So I don't know that she is a viable (laughs) source of information. Sarah was great fun. (laughs) Sarah was like, I can't believe you've done this. But Brian is older than Sarah and I both, not by much, but still. So he was in a different place. When, uh, Sarah July. was to you what Lorelei is to Miko. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> take it time. back, take it back, Don't take worry. it back. No. So yes, Brian was always my favorite cousin. He would build forts with me out of chairs and pillows and such. And going to Maryland was always one of our, like, our most fun vacations. So we did that. And then one time we came home and my dad had smashed all the TVs and cultified our house so that was great <laughs> that was near the divorce towards the tail end there so. Believe it or not. <laughs> so, yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway um brian we're so excited to have you on because truly uh we have not had a male guest yet not one we haven't i was curious about that well it's not for lack of trying <laughs> we encourage so many people much to like us. emma's dating life there are a lot of invitations out there but very few replies welcome to the party no awesome i'm the one not replying thank you very much 
I have Leave standards. them on red. <laughs> I really do. No, uh, it's it's interesting because we talk about a lot of different topics and we've yep. obviously only ever presented the female perspective. Yep. So I'm excited to get some new perspective into the mix to either learn things or to assert that we are the superior gender. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm really actually, nice. I'm excited because I've, I've listened to the show a few times and I genuinely like it. And there are times where I'm like, I really want to be like, oh God, I really want to talk. You know, I want to, like, you'll be talking about something like, why do guys do this? Why do guys do that? And I'll be like, I can tell you why. I know. <laughs> and we're like, who can say it's a mystery? And we just move on. So. Yeah, it's like how but not this issued time. a girl card. You know, we get our Ugg boots and our glitter. You have a guy card. I don't know what that entails exactly, but you have one. What do you so guys now- get upon birth in their guy card? Yeah. We get male privilege and it's pretty right, awesome. Right. I'll be honest. <laughs> is it like a sash, you know, like at bridal parties, they have like a big sash. <laughs> it says male. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But I'd say the difference it maybe is that um, it's invisible because most men don't even realize they have it. So, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. the cognizance comes later. Yes. <laughs> it's at university. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So instead okay. of here's your Ugg boots and your glitter, go be insecure is Here's your male privilege, Sash. You're going to get paid a lot more. Good luck. (laughs) Exciting. You are owed every woman you think you deserve to be with. We've come full circle. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The circle is a Venn diagram, which is also a circle. (laughs) Okay, tell me that that makes sense because I've seen this. So yes, it does. So the whole premise of a Venn diagram is to have two separate circles that intersect at some point, right? At least two, yes. So yes, of course, you can do more. It gets complicated. I do it in math. I don't want to talk about it. But Nobody cares about your math. (laughs) I care because my exam's next Wednesday and I'm going to die. So anyway, but there's like men who think that they deserve sex and men who don't take showers. That Venn diagram is a circle because they are within the same (laughs) sphere. Do you see what I'm saying, Brian? This makes sense. When you say the Venn diagram is a circle, it means intrinsically they are one and the same. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. It's a great saying, and I enjoy it, but I do not think it's legitimate. <laughs> I don't it's, think it's it is. real. You can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. It so we're gonna go to tea of the week. <laughs> How dare you? This massive. All right, fight. all right. <laughs> I am really excited that we have three teas, three little sips mm. of tea. Mm, I'm very excited and thirsty. Mm. Tea, 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 tea. Of course, as soon as I like stop playing that audio, car goes like vroom, tiny penis time. But yes, I will go first. And mine is about yet again a man. And this time it's an older man, probably in his like late 50s, a Russian man. And I have a heavy Jewish and Russian population in my neighborhood. This is not an uncommon thing. I get mistaken for Russian a lot. Oh yeah, all the time. Especially when my mask is on, you can see eyes up. Apparently, I mean, I have Germanic features, but apparently those can look similar to Russian features in some contexts. And I think the hair probably doesn't help. So I had my mask on and I ran up to 7-Eleven for like some seltzers and things of that nature. I was out of ketchup, you know, the usual. And (laughs) and. I go in and I walk to the back and I have my AirPods in and I'm just doing my thing, you know, just quick errand. And I look up and this guy, I heard him start to say something to me outside and I do what I always do and ignore them. You know, like, that's what you do. You just don't acknowledge. And (laughs) it was just like tunnel vision. I don't see you. I don't hear you. Goodbye. That wasn't okay. Apparently he follows me into 7-Eleven. I look up and there he is. And he... He, he talks to me and I'm just like, huh? And he goes, you are a smart woman. And I'm like, 
okay <laughs> i can tell this by your face <laughs> and i was just like thank you he's like you are like me and he had he had a mask on his wrist a mask on his face and then a mask like in his bag and like he's like, indicating he's like indicating towards them like you are like me and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about because i'm wearing one mask and i have like my purse which has like my keys in my wallet and i'm like i don't know what <laughs> to say I mean, the mask on your purse was probably what he was talking about you oh know, sure gotta, it was invisible i can't believe he's important to you. <laughs> yeah. i was just like okay and he goes you are a russian and i'm like no he goes american and i'm like yes but i told him i was like but i get mistaken for russian all the time he's like but you are not russian and i'm like no and then he's like let me buy you your things oh, God. still no sir i'm okay are you sure yeah i'm sure but thank you you have a good day he's like good weekend god bless you he walks away and he goes are you sure and he comes back <laughs> And I'm like, still sure. I'm still sure I don't need to call that in the dating game the re return. Where you go away and you come back. You're like, I give her five seconds. Change her mind. I give her five. She take five. She realized how good. Oh, yes. Free seltzer. No. So he comes back and asks me, and I'm like, no, no, still no. And this time I'm being a little more curt because I'm like, I'm not going to get into this conversation with you. And he goes, nope, I'm thanks. I'm good. Thanks. And I put my headphone back in. He goes, okay, bye bye. And then he leaves. And it was just the weirdest interaction because weirder than the guy who yelled at me that I didn't owe him anything when I said hi back Oh, to I him. love that guy. <laughs> He's like, hi. Hey, I don't owe you shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> You're so right. Okay. Woo. Anyway, similar weird interaction. I don't know what he meant. I, I agree that I am a smart woman, but I don't know why he said I was because I only had the singular mask. I don't know. Only the one. <laughs> I was like, do you see something I don't see? <laughs> I'm like, uh. so yeah, that's my tea because other than the kid reversing into me, which was ridiculous. And I don't know what driver's ed is like in New York city, but I'm over it. That was all that happened to me. So, okay. Really quick sidebar. Did you know that in the Missy Elliott song, when they say back up, flip it and reverse it. If you mm-hmm. play the next like gibberish part backwards, it's back up, flip it and reverse it. I have not known. That. Is this like that queen thing with another one bites the dust and they're talking about worshiping the devil or something? No, it's, <laughs> it's literally. So she, the way that she mixed the song was okay. that. So when she said back up, switch and reverse it. And then the, do, 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 that is, oh. back, it's, they just played it backwards. She really did flip it and reverse. Yeah. It. She backed up flipped it and reversed she it. was ahead of our time <laughs> she was a trendsetter a pioneer <laughs> but yeah i was i was like two weeks ago years old when i learned that it's so crazy, i wanted to though. share it with you and i will go into my tea and just say okay i too had an interesting reaction with he- interaction with humans hmm. but mine was from afar so i got to i would say appreciate it more because i wasn't involved so oh, <laughs> we fun. went mm-hmm. to our local pub for my husband's birthday on uh, friday just with a few friends we're still only al- allowed to eat outdoors and like drink outdoors so we were sitting underneath like a marquee that they have set up and we were enjoying ourselves and then this car pulls into the car park, which is adjacent to the, the back of the pub, basically. And that already was weird because it's not a car park so much as like a tiny area next to a playground that this pub is supposedly using for like outdoor space, but it's, it's not meant to be like nobody parks there. So they pulled in and these two guys got out and what you would call them in the UK is chaps. And basically it's like, their version of like think of jersey shore guidos okay. that's a chap yeah. okay so like matching 
tracksuit, like slicked back hair, a lot of profanity. Mm-hmm. That's a chat. Mm-hmm. So two of these guys got out of the car. And at first they seemed pretty normal. We'd seen them at the pub before, no big deal. And they went in and got drinks, but then they upped their game to a place that I didn't know one could up one's game to. Okay. So they were sat pretty far away from the rest of the pub guests next to their car. And you heard the car turn on, but both of them were outside the car. So you're like, okay, maybe they need a light or they forgot something. And then you hear at full, like 80 decibel level music playing from the car. So they were not going to be told, turn off your Bluetooth speaker. No, no, (laughs) they didn't bring an external speaker. They turned their car on so that everybody at the pub had to listen to their music loud. What kind of music was it? Oh, it was like radio rubbish. It was uh, like, like a little bit of dubstep, a little bit of rap. It was just, okay. it was bad. It was bad. Was Big and, Shaq involved? Because if he wasn't, I'm not interested. I don't even know who you're talking about. Unless yes, you're you do. Shaquille O'Neal. No. <laughs> um, the, oh my God, the British rapper, Man's Not Hot. Oh, Big Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do know who you're talking about. No, he, sadly, he did not enter the chat. And so they played this music for probably 30 minutes and nobody was really going to say anything because they are just the kind of people that look like they want to get into a bar fight Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they really want it that's their goal in life is to like get into a bar fight before they finish their pints so the barmaid who is like 60 her name's tina that's fun she's great fun (laughs) she's great fun but she is like a very interesting person she she's very local she comes out and she was taking drink orders because you can only do table service and she looks over at them and we're like oh yeah enjoying the music are you tina she goes i'm not having it (laughs) she walks (laughs) over there like a force to be reckoned with and all of a sudden you hear like and the music goes off and it was Mm -hmm. beautiful so yeah um the next time you need a bluetooth speaker bring your car and don't mess with tina the barmaid don't mess with Tina. Don't. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> oh, man. Some of our friends accidentally called her Tracy for like two no. months. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> How dare you misidentify Tina? Tina's a star. <laughs> you leave her alone. So, Brad, uh, yeah. bring us your tea. We're ready. We have our cups. Pour us the cup. All right. Well, my tea is very boring in comparison to both of your tea. But yeah, lately, um, I have been on a mission to finish all the movies in my stars playlist okay because my subscription is uh expiring next month yep. and i have made the decision <laughs> to not re-up it not because i'm dissatisfied with stars but just because i have so many streaming services that i literally get anxious trying to decide which one i'm gonna pick doing so the I've same decided, thing like, with disney plus it's like when you already canceled disney people plus. I did, but I added her back because she slid into my DMs with you a new can't. show about the Winter Soldier and whatever. I'm actually watching that today. Is. I have one more episode. Yeah. So she slid into my DMs and I was like, okay, it's $5.99, whatever. And yeah. then that's how they get you. But yep. yeah, it's, it's basically like a dating roster if you're dating multiple people and you yep. have to be really like, oh, I'm just not ready for anything serious right now. And you break up with yeah. Disney Plus and you keep Netflix and Amazon Prime. And then as soon as they release like 15 new movies, you're like, oh, Disney, I'd love to see you. It'd be so great to catch up. Okay. That's what you do. (laughs) But yeah, so I've been forcing myself to watch movies in my uh, stars playlist and like, it's kind of been enjoyable and it's making me think like, this is maybe what I need to do from now on to actually like pick something to watch is have like 
you know, okay, this streaming service I'm going to get rid of next month. Looming so I deadline. need to watch everything <laughs> in it. Because otherwise I'm just like, eh, yeah, no, no. I'll, I'll watch that sometime before I die. But you, know. you have to give yourself ultimatums. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. I've been, I I've been watching a lot of movies from like the like late 80s and 90s. Okay. And mm. it's fun to kind of see like what holds up and what doesn't. Mm. So what was your top number one? Like I've watched it and it's great still. Hmm. Probably Roxanne, Steve Martin movie. Okay. Um, it's uh, I think late 80s romantic comedy. Steve Martin plays a, he's the chief, a fire chief of like a small town. And he has a really big nose, like noticeably big. Okay. And, but he's Steve Martin. So, you know, he's funny, he's affable and stuff. And uh, he falls in love with um, Daryl Hannah, who's like new to the town. And, you know, the movie's about him kind of like trying to get past his insecurity about his nose and stuff like that. It's actually like, it's genuinely funny and a good movie. Mm-hmm. We should show this really to the funny. incels. Yeah, you should. Absolutely. <laughs> you need to watch required reading. <laughs> All you need to do is be Steve Martin. <laughs> Done. Um, <laughs> All I'm thinking of is the Grinch. You reject your own nose. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Never, I'm telling you, never a bad time for a Grinch never reference. A bad, ever. Never a bad moment. Never. I um, recently was talking to someone about movies. My friend that I mentioned last week, uh, we were talking about like what movies, because he's really into like mafia movies. And he's talking about Legend. If you haven't watched Legend, it is such a good movie. It's mm, Tom Hardy. It. It's based on a true story. It's two twin mobsters in the like, uh, what I, maybe the 40s or something like that. It's kind of like, it's a little bit like- uh, Doondock Saints? yeah but less 90s you know uh uh but it's like that and it's just it's really good and he does he does both roles really really well so it's a really good movie if you are interested in that so personally i'm more of a you've got mail kind of person but that's Mm. just me speaking of mobster movies i just watched the departed last weekend with the first time no 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 not mine (gasps) but it was her first time i haven't seen it first time in a while it was the first time in a while that I'd watched it. And like, that movie is so good. Like, it's, it's perfect. amazing. I mean, it's amazing. And that the plot yeah. twist in the elevator every time I'm just like, I mean, I know it now, but like, yeah. you, just, you don't see it coming. And so when it happened the first time, I was like, excuse me? I'm so oh, yeah. mad. Yeah. God, I was mad. But even just the I'll whole movie is just, you know, like every character is interesting. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just the whole movie is super tense. And yeah, it's just really, really, really good. I loved Mark Wahlberg's ending moment. I thought that was fab. I was like, yes, Daddy Wahlberg, yeah. you got it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I knew that was Oh, it's like when people who have arachnophobia hear something about spiders, they're like, oh, <laughs> like it's just guttural and visceral. <laughs> and but anyway, The Departed, I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's so good. I mean, that's yeah, like saying really you haven't good. seen Good Will Hunting. And- oh, I have. I love that movie. <sighs> Have you guys seen The Town, I think it is? It's Ben Affleck. um, I've never watched it because I saw too many previews, if that makes sense. I saw enough previews to the point where I felt like I'd already seen the movie. And Mm -hmm. then nobody gave me any facts about it that made me feel like, oh, I should watch it anyway. I remember it being depressing. It's good. (laughs) So Yeah, it's not a happy movie. No, it's not. Uplifting. There's um, a movie I can't in the last the last comment I'll make before we move on into our quiz land that Hannah because she really wants to play the audio and I can tell she's excited is a movie that Ben Affleck is in I can't remember the title but it's about these guys who basically go to rob a drug lord in um, like rural Mexico I can't remember which part but they end up like rural 
rural. Oh I hate that word. Rural. Eight R's, one L. <laughs> rural. Rural. <laughs> yeah, roll it. <laughs> anyway, I can't remember exactly which region they go to, but basically they go and they run all this money and um, they're like, they, they have like, what's the organization that is the DEA? Is that what it is? What is it? Drug Enforcement Administration. Yeah. Yep. And they're like hot on their trail and they're like, it's, it's really good. So I wish I could remember what it was called, but uh, it's on, I believe it's on Netflix. So just search Ben Affleck and you'll find it. But I digress. Movies are great and I love them. Movies are great. Strong finish. Okay. So we've been teed up. We've sipped our tea tiny cups. And now, Hannah, I think it would be a good time for our, our little quiz corner. You know, so many of you are really just here for the tea puns. And don't you worry. We've thought of one. So in this segment, we're going to have some quiz tunes. Is it a good pun? Debatable. Is it a pun? <laughs> yes, the requirement has been met. Is the word T in it? <laughs> yes. So get ready for a hot quiz. Jeopardy? I don't know. We'll think of something. <laughs> Debatable. I like Jeopardy. <laughs> Jeopardy. Oh boy. I really do get into that. And I think I would be one of those really sad nerds in school where I'd be laying that out my windows like <laughs> oh, for that sure. I could. And I'd be like, <laughs> I would think I was so baller in my cavalier blast. <laughs> <laughs> cavalier, what a car. <laughs> I had a, it was my it was a beater car, let me tell you. We bought it for like six thousand dollars and I totaled it. <laughs> my first car was three grand and I called it Lola because it was a Ford. Oh, I can't even think of it now. It was like a sedan and it was the largest car in the world. Mm. And it looked a little bit like a transvestite because it was like kind of feminine, kind of masculine, couldn't really tell. So I called it Lola. My friend Lola. Andy, she drove a Chevy and it was, but it was like, um, it was humongous. It was this huge, like just trash car. And it was great, but it was disgusting. It was so old. Emergency services have been called. It was <laughs> definitely uh, tetanus shots on, on call. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, chickens, we have a quiz. Okay. So this quiz is going to metaphorically sort us into the magical universe that we truly belong into. Okay. So get your wand, robotic armor, or magic sword ready is the tagline. So you know it's going to be good. And I would love for... Emma to kick this off because to be honest with you, who better to answer these sort of questions than Emma? They're actually pretty benign, I think. I haven't seen anything that's terrifying. So my thinking is we do it as it's happening and I'll mark down each answer and then give our question, give our results at the end. So Emma answers first. Brian, you're welcome to answer second. I'll answer third. And then I'll put each one through separately so that we get the correct sorting. We'll pause during that time, viewers. Don't worry. Because uh, maybe we'll play the Jeopardy music again. Who knows? <laughs> Who can our oyster? <laughs> you know. So I am really excited about this. And Emma, are you ready? I sure am. Okay. Choose a place. You have six options. Oh wow. Dallas, London, Athens. Who knows if it's Georgia or Greece? Let's go with Greece. <laughs> Please. New York, Indiana, or 
Edinburgh, which I find it odd that they picked a state, a bunch of cities. <laughs> like, okay. But those are your choices. Wow. Okay. I think I'm going to go off in left field here. I'm going to choose Athens. Ooh, what an interesting option. Only because we specified that it wasn't Georgia because I'd rather die. <laughs> <laughs> Brian? I'll go with uh, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Looks like it's straight out of the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> straight out of HP for you. And I will go with London. Which I could have predicted. I'm going to go to London. That's one of my favorite songs. I like the get out of London song from winning London. That one's good. That was good. Okay. This feels very revealing. I will just say, but we'll pretend that this quiz is completely unbiased and creative. So (laughs) (laughs) I love this. So just quick sidebar. These quizzes are always so funny. It's like, what would you rather be a wizard? (laughs) You're joking. You're joking. (laughs) Choose a creature you'd like to be. Yep. <laughs> a vampire, uh-huh. a demigod, a mermaid slash merman. You identify however you want, boo boo. A witch slash wizard, a superhero, or a Jedi. Again, this feels like we're handing you it on a silver platter what we want to be, but all right. <laughs> I'd like to be a mermaid. Ooh, mermaid. They get the hair. Okay. So they they do get the hair. Although you have to think if they have that kind of hair growth, they must have to shave every five hours to keep their underarms that clean. Do you think, do you think that they use just like a saw? I think it's like a sawfish. Like there's a, a, a fish that has like a saw like mm-hmm. like mouth snout thing. I wonder if that's what they use to cut their hair. There's like, come here really quick. And they go, thank you for your service. And they release it. Yeah. I don't know. What do they Probably. eat? Also, quick question, because Sebastian says in the song Under the Sea that above water, they eat the sea creatures. And that's why they don't like it. That's why it's better down where it's wetter under the sea. Right. Mm-hmm. So what do they eat? What do they eat? They eat a plant-based diet as all <laughs> good. But are there plants food. at the bottom of the ocean? Yes. Yeah. Algae. And cow- oh, algae. Yeah, okay. If you say so. Ooh, David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, David. What do mermaids eat? Tell me. <laughs> he probably could. He'd be like, well. <laughs> so, anyway, Ryan. <laughs> what do you want to be? <laughs> All right. I'll go ahead and point out that there's not much of a difference between a wizard and a Jedi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Anna, the Star Wars girl has entered the chat. <laughs> I'll go with Jedi because then I get a lightsaber. I mean, there's like a huge difference, but that's. Wait, so can Jedi. <laughs> but Jedi. They use what mind tricks, right? Like that's their thing. It's like telekinesis. No, that's sort like of one quote from a movie. No. So part of it is telekinesis. Part of it is like using the magic in the world, aka the force. The force. Part of it is like combat training that involves sword fighting, basically. Well, then how do wizards like they use magic in the world as well? Yeah, it's yes. basically wizards plus lightsabers. But wizards don't have mind games all the time. You don't know. Um, so I beg to differ because Snape and has trying to teach legitimacy which is mind control and reading to occlumency but that's fine legitimacy is what you have in an argument and legitimacy is the spell that's why i was thinking of it (laughs) occlumency is what see but i was half right because i got the spell right so i know what i'm talking oh emma can't pick her own realm because she doesn't know what they are (laughs) pick harry potter anyway it's fine i will go with a witch just to be controversial <laughs> and because i'm you know i'm leaning towards england i'm probably gonna get harry potter let's be honest mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. Ooh, choose an activity Ooh, sad emma you could have picked one of these but you're not going to because you're not into crystals enough so dang choose an activity okay. swimming meditating spying 
exercising, reading, or running. Emma picks spying. <laughs> I, I was gonna pick spying. How did you know? <laughs> because you always break up and choose violence. That's who you are. <laughs> it's called stalking on social media. It's not the same. Spying is my cardio. That's your next shirt. <laughs> Surely. I mean. So anyway, Brian, any any thoughts? <laughs> what were the choices again? Swimming, meditating, spying, exercising, reading, or running. I'm not sure what exercising means. Maybe maybe it's like hit. I don't know. Uh, I'll go with reading. Reading. Good choice. That was my second choice after spying and all the other choices. (laughs) After spying. No, meditating (laughs) would definitely have been last. I am going to go with swimming. I love a swim. Do you love a good swim moment? Swimming in the water. Okay. Okay. Again, we're really handing you this answer. Choose a superpower to have. Come on. Okay. All right. Now, some of these are big words, so just <laughs> hold on to your hat. <laughs> please, please tell me one of them is not metal claws. No. Okay. <laughs> Number one, telekinesis, omnilingualism, which means be- the ability to speak any language, any language, water bending, mind control, super strength, or teleportation. Emma picks mind control. Next. <laughs> I would sink your battleship every time. <laughs> Actually, I was going to choose the ability to learn all languages first. For you. But I'm keeping mind control because it's more on brand. It's just who I am as a person. (laughs) And why shy away from that? (laughs) Okay, Brian. Uh, That's a tough one. And believe it or not, I've actually given this one a lot of thought in my life. (laughs) I've actually had deep meditations on this. So I could have I'm going to go with teleportation. Okay. Honestly. Do you want to give your reason? Because I feel like if you've thought about this a lot you have like a diatribe that you're holding back on <laughs> uh i'm just tired of like walking around and taking the bus everywhere i'd rather you just know, like sober i'm it. there yeah what were you gonna say em i was gonna say anything because i'm just yelling at lorelei because she's doing this thing where she like licks one on her spot in her body raw all the time and it's oh. me up a wall oh for me it's up the, the licking wall. noises our dog chip like he'll be this is some asmr that no one asked for and he'll literally <laughs> like wrong just be laying there and he's like it's always at night when you're ready to go to bed. Oh my goodness, this is the worst thing. <laughs> like, now's the time. <laughs> I literally have developed like the meanest system, but in the dead of the night, if he's doing mm-hmm. it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm I just like napping until he stops. <laughs> I just kind of like lightly nudge them with my foot and I'm like, <laughs> uh, and just yeah, for the record, doesn't sleep on our bed. So oh. there is no ASMR that no one asks for. There Anna is. hates there ASMR. Really and that's why I do it all the time. One of the most common disagreements that my husband and I have is (laughs) he takes these huge bites because he like really wants to eat whatever food he's eating. So he's like, and I just, I can't, I can not. There was this episode when uh, Luke was trying to eat quietly, but I don't think he could hear himself trying to eat quietly. It was like putting a steel bar through a, like one of those wood chippers it was like <laughs> like <laughs> and she was just like she, like mid episode she's just like can you stop <laughs> it was funny. um anyway what, what, anyway what were you gonna pick what am i picking i am going to choose telekinesis teleportation telekinesis teleportation i'm gonna choose telekinesis because i feel like that is a good opening matilda of you you know Man, that would just make me so lazy. I would get, this would be like Wally, but like worse. Because Wally. I was going to say, like, I would be like 800 pounds yeah. and I would never move. So your reality show would be my 800 pound life. 
I would really want like I want my condition with telekinesis to be that like I have to if I, every time I use it I have to do like ten push ups because then I'd manage to stay in shape. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like telekinesis that like is so taxing that I actually lose weight doing it. I so. mean, that's what I was thinking. My telekinesis would like be my cardio because I would be like muscles work out and they'd be like. <laughs> all i can imagine is like your limbs flailing incessantly like working you know out those for you machines that people buy where they're like laying on the couch and they like wrap the belt around themselves and they're like and that's supposed this to the most ridiculous things i've ever seen in my life yeah that's what my television oh my god i just had this thought and this is actually um as far as i know this is an area of the superhero world that has not been explored oh you can Marvel? have like we're copywriting it <laughs> you can't have it <laughs> you can have a show you know you could have a someone with superpowers powers that they cannot control you know like some people have uh like a palsy or something but have it i don't know like telekinesis but they literally can't control it oh interesting so, like a disordered superpower that'd be yeah. a character on the boys for sure yes the boys oh, is an amazing that. show everyone should watch it i Ooh, watched it um, seconds and i was out but it's got uh nate archibald in it it does who's i know do, his his name and i can't do love christopher chase is his name he's so fine but it's fine anyway anyway choose a place to holiday in we're recycling some choices here so okay. just hold on to your hat okay new york new york fuerteventura spain which means um uh fuerte like strong and ventura is usually like you could say aventura adventure so could be strong okay. adventure could just be a combined word like window. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Spain and London, England, Moscow, Russia. Emma, you're smart. You will choose. <laughs> smart. Uh, <laughs> Chicago, USA. I don't know why we didn't get a state for Chicago, but that's fine. <laughs> Whoever their fact checker is. That's a state somewhere. It's <laughs> in America. <laughs> and then Gold Coast, Australia. You know, I'm going Gold Coast. Okay. I've never been. And yeah. Because I want to go to Barcelona. Barcelona. Every time I talk to someone who is like Spanish and they live here, they're like, that's not how you say it. Because like apparently it's like been the people who pronounce it like that in Spain, the Barcelonians, apparently mispronounce it on purpose or something. I don't know. It's a whole thing. For tourism, I guess. Yeah. Or they're just like hoity-toity, which I totally relate to. Trust me. Which I get. <laughs> I understand. On a deep level. Brian? <laughs> I'm going to go with Spain. Okay, Fuerteventura for you. And Hannah. And Hannah is going to go with Gold Coast, actually. Oh, join me. She's going to join. She's going to hop on the train. We're going to see some kangaroos. It'll be great. Mm, Okay. Great. And then choose something to eat. Okay. Okay, we have some very disparate choices here. So you have a burger, fruit. It has (laughs) berries pictured, but I think you could probably choose chocolate pastry, waffles salmon or mm-hmm. candy also unspecified you could probably choose burger yeah what am i a burger. rabbit <laughs> what am i an animal <laughs> brian burger okay did you, you also choose related burger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i fruit was my second choice i do love a fruit moment if i had to pick one what would i choose you know this is just so difficult because where am i where do we need to go next what time of day is it I can't do morning like savory food. So uh, it's a midday snack, not pick. It's a midday snack, a snack. I'm going to go with a chocolate pastry. Okay. 
You know why? Because if I also choose burger, everything is pointless. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing here if not choosing very different things? Oh, finally. Okay. This seems, again, very interesting choices. Pick something you'd like to own. These are very, like, it's a range of budgets here. (laughs) An outdoor pool, a mansion, a medieval artifact, fluency in another language, which you cannot own, but that's fine. A castle or an island. <laughs> we have a lot of pick your own adventures here. So <laughs> I'm obviously going to choose the chateau. Chateau of girls. Ryan. Uh, I'm going to go with the pool. Okay. Low budget. <laughs> and- Sorry, but if you choose a mansion, doesn't it usually come with the pool? Can't you do a two for one special here? Like- two mansion's too gaudy. <laughs> no. I would spend all my time in like two rooms. Mm. I am going to go with a castle as well if i had a mansion so in in the castle i'm doing like a beauty and the beast musical in every single room like i'm just floating around the castle and i'm definitely like singing beauty and the beast songs right but in the mansion it's like you've probably never seen wild child it's like an early 2000s emma stone like ya movie it's really bad no emma stone emma um like what about richie roberts roberts Richie rich yeah richie rich yeah so okay isn't a castle just like a lo-fi mansion though no, uh, castle is so historical, and you could keep people in your dungeon if they made you angry. I mean, you could have a dungeon in a mansion. No, you can't. It's <laughs> called the Red Room. Just a basement. <laughs> it's not a dungeon. No, no, Christian. Um, <laughs> so I you, am going calculating? to tabulate our scores. Okay, I am ready personally for myself to know which verse I live in. I would say brace thyself okay my hat is held i am prepared everybody is about to be shooketh okay so i will give emma's first because she went first that was a drum roll uh you belong in Mm -hmm. the harry potter universe what (laughs) obviously i belong in a world any answers that were harry potter related (laughs) what you belong in a world where not only does magic exist but you get to study and learn how to use it okay take advantage of all the fun that comes from this world like hogsmeade or the quidditch cup but be warned just like Emma's dating life, danger does lurk around every corner. I'm used to it. Don't worry. Voldy and I are right here. We are. <laughs> I get him. And not finally. There's two more. But next. <laughs> That's how lists work. Next is Brian. So Brian's results are the Umbrella Academy. Isn't hmm. spending time with family the most magical thing of all? Blink twice if you're scared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, family. <laughs> get ready to use your magical powers to take over the world with your siblings again. So the He's an Academy. only child, unfortunately. So. <laughs> okay, one, I've actually never seen the Umbrella Academy. I haven't either. Uh, two, how did it get that out of my answer? I don't know. I chose mermaid in Australia. I don't understand. <laughs> don't question the scientificity <laughs> of this. Brand, do you have do you have half siblings? Uh yes, yes, I do. I have two. Mm-hmm. There you go. See, they them. knew. They knew. <laughs> so probably unsurprisingly, my answer is also the Harry Potter universe. Ah! I don't he chose Edinburgh. He chose like and you you chose which I chose mind control. <laughs> I want to talk to the manufacturer of this quiz. I want to talk to the manager. Okay, it's help at buzzfeed.quiz.com. <laughs> That's They're going to get a so very legit. smirky email from me. <laughs> mm, yes. Well, 
That was our quiz, kids. Wow. Okay. Well, I, we been new, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> no one was surprised except for Brian. I was. No, I was umbrella. surprised. I didn't even consider the umbrella. I've never seen it. So I'm just. I've never curious, seen it either. But... Maybe I'll finish it in one day. <sighs> Maybe you might. I think there's two yeah. seasons now, though. So that'd be. Uh, I would oh, be worried. Days. I'd be worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any more room in my life for, for more like superhero shows. It's like mm. with Marvel and the boys. And I'm just like, no, it's too much. I just don't like superhero shows. It's just not my vibe, you know? I like sci-fi shows, but I don't like a ton of superhero shows. I like like Westworld kind of sci-fi, you know? Oh, I haven't even seen that. Westworld season one is like some of the best TV ever. Ever. Um, Season two was okay. And season three was nah. I don't think I even watched season three, but season one was just like, wow. perfect. Amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I remember watching it and thinking like, how are they going to follow the, you know, how are they going to top this? And I was like, oh, they don't. Okay. (laughs) That's right. I mean, really, they spent, like, they gave all their effort to the first season. And it was like the backstory of the guy from season one was interesting in season two. Mm -hmm. Like, it was interesting, but that was it. (laughs) Anyway. It is now time for the part of the show called Larry on this sing comes out and sings a silly song (laughs) most of the content (laughs) okay let's do it then let's zip the tea is exceptionally good today (laughs) who made this Mm, very delicious i don't know if delicious is the right adjective for today's content but i'm just saying if you've listened to more than one of these podcasts if you don't in your head go "Mm, very delicious (laughs) i don't know who you are (laughs) anyway um like we said earlier we have the unique male perspective on the show today for the first time hopefully not the last but we may corral brian into more episodes after this because we're desperate but who can say uh (laughs) if the experience goes well and he's not left traumatized by the like most of the men (laughs) (laughs) so anyway uh today's topic is it's heartfelt it's serious it can be you know in retrospect humorous at times you know like the experiences we go through how we deal with things coping mechanisms blah, 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 what does it all mean blah. it would be really hard to place in a bookstore right <laughs> almost you'd have to have a very niche section for this just miss just, that's all you can do miss so anyway today's topic is the topic of grief in particular how men deal with grief because as women you know i think that there's a very distinct set of things that you meet you know like this this the how many steps is there in the grief process four or five or something like that five. Like five okay uh i would say that i'm really good at doing all of those when i'm going through something i don't know if men do all five if they skip i don't know so i'm here to learn i'm here to observe if you have not seen this there is a youtube video that you have to watch and it's i didn't watch all the like adult swim stuff but it's by one of those shows called like robot chicken and it's <laughs> this giraffe who gets stuck in quicksand and he goes Aww. through the five stages of grief and it is the funniest video i've ever seen in my life so if you youtube giraffe five stages of grief i'll try i'll I'll try to post a story with a link on our instagram i know every time you hear it write it down immediately lie (laughs) but we're trying so hard we just have so much going on in our lives we just don't even know anyway so I will try, but it is 100% an amazing video. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just trying to think of how we start this conversation. So maybe we should start with, depending on how comfortable you are and what exactly it is you want to talk about, 
an experience that you've had that you could viably say I experienced grief going through this experience. Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'll just say right off the bat, like you can ask me literally anything. I am not like a shy person at all. I'm totally, nothing is taboo. So you and yeah, I are no, opposites, I mean, my friend. <laughs> so much is taboo for me. I'm like, <laughs> don't ask me that. <laughs> well, I mean, as Emma knows, my mother passed away unexpectedly when I was 23 years old. Um, she had lupus and, you know, that's, she struggled with it her whole life and it got, you know, a little bit harder last few years and then uh just one day she was gone you know that changed my life and you know it was definitely a multi-year process learn you know dealing with that and you know it was you know really messy at times and um yeah I'm struggling to even like navigate it in my head it was just you know I think something that you know everybody at some point in their life deals with uh the death of a family member it's inevitable or, you know, a close friend or, you know, somebody that they care about. And I think what's impossible to understand until you've experienced it is that it's not the death that is the sad part. I mean, that is sad, especially if it's, you know, like a, a particularly uh, unpleasant one. But the hardest part is just them not being around anymore and not being able to talk to them or know that they're there or okay or whatever mm-hmm. and that's that is something that nobody can actually be prepared for and it's it's something that everybody just kind of has to figure out themselves um, when it happens that doesn't mean that they can't you know get help obviously yeah and um i i think everybody grieves differently but by and large i have noticed that men tend to uh they, they tend to grieve by ignoring as much as they can and I am going to uh, tie this into a movie because why not? A couple of months ago, I watched a movie called Manchester by the Sea. It's got Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams. And um, it's about uh, Casey Affleck plays, I cannot remember the character's name, but he's he's a guy who experienced uh, the loss of his two kids early in his life. And and he sees it as his fault. And um, later on in his life, um, after this has happened, his brother dies unexpectedly and he becomes legal guardian of his teenage nephew. And so the movie is kind of about him trying to fit him into his life, you know, and of course grieving is a big part of that. And I remember watching this movie kind of thinking like, okay, I I know what's going to happen. You know, they're going to come together. And at the end, they're going to, you know, figure out that how to grieve together and how to move past this. But then the end came and that didn't happen. And I mean, I won't spoil what happens, but um, for anybody that wants to go see it, but I just remember feeling kind of unfulfilled at the end and thinking like, huh, that's not what I expected to happen. But I kept thinking about it. And a couple of days later, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh, Manchester by the Sea is a movie about how men greet because, and, and I realized that because both of the men in this movie deal with the loss with their respective losses by ignoring the loss as much as they can. And, you know, you get to see firsthand how it negatively affects them. That kind of made me think about like, you know, how I grieved and like, and it made me question, did I do those things? Did it negatively affect me? I don't know. It was just, I mean, unfortunately, they're really much like the end of that movie. I can't really say that I have any like clear answers to yes or no. I definitely agree that there's a compartmentalization that when it comes to men dealing with issues and I can say confidently as a woman, I do not compartmentalize. I feel everything up front right away. And 
I think that that has a lot to do with a social pressure, stigma and expectation of how the genders are meant to grieve or express emotion. And so, you know, you, you grow up as a woman and feeling emotion is just a part of life. You know, that's just, it's expected, it's normal. And to not do it is to almost be a, be bad at being a woman, you know? So I think we are automatically more comfortable just expressing how we feel with no regard to how that's, you know, is it going to make so-and-so uncomfortable if I start just bawling here right now? I don't care. This is how I feel, you know? And I don't know if that can be chalked up to emotional maturity. I think, like I said, it just has a lot to do with the environment that you're raised in. Some men are raised to be more emotional and maybe they feel more comfortable expressing grief. But I would say by and large, even in my own family, beyond Brian, I see very little emotion from the men in my life, you know? So that was my immediate thought when you were going through your process. Well, I'd also like to say thank you so much for sharing that. I am, I'm definitely an emotional person. I'm, I'm a very feelings forward kind of person. I would say though, when I have experienced loss in my life, I tend to deal with grief by myself. Like I don't really deal with it in front of other people. And I, I've thought about it post-talk, you know, thought about it afterwards. Like, why is that? And it's because I was always raised to be somebody who didn't really need help from anybody. And I didn't ever want other people to need to take on whatever I'm feeling or dealing with. And it's odd because it doesn't happen in every area of my life. You know, I'll share quite a lot with my friends of like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling upset about this, you know, be upset with me. I, I want you to be in the room and, and share that emotion with me. But with grief, I, I always seem to kind of deal with it by myself because I didn't want to force people to deal with it with me or to require something of anybody. I wanted to be able to deal with it myself and to clean up myself, myself, if that makes sense. And well, yeah, you both I think- have you both have half siblings, but essentially you were raised as only children for yeah. the most part. Because mm-hmm, yeah. you lived with you know your mom and your stepfather for most of your life, Brian. From what I maybe I mean, I'm sure you were with your dad. I know that, but mm-hmm. I didn't see much of that side. But you know, obviously, whenever I saw you, you were just with Andy and um, Uncle Rich. So it's kind yeah, of like I mean, this, uh, like r- I mean, pretty much up until my early 20s, I actually s- split time with both my parents. But my half-brother was not born until I was 17, I think. And then my half-sister was born when I was like 20. So, you know, I didn't get a whole lot of time with them as, you know, as siblings. So. Mm-hmm. That's what we yeah. were there for. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's very similar to me. I was an only child for about 10 years. And then my, I split time between my mom and my dad. But my dad had a kid when I was 10 with his second wife. And then when I was 18, I left the state, like I left home. So I I really didn't, I, I had step siblings when I turned 17, cause my mom got remarried, but I really didn't have like growing up with sibling experiences. Does your mom's husband have kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but they were older than I am. Okay. So they're, they are two and four years older than I am respectively. Sister, it, brother, sister, brother. Yeah. And then my younger half brother. So is that the sister you were referring to or did you call your sister-in-law your sister? Cause I wasn't sure which one you were talking about. Uh, I call both my sisters. Okay. I, but I was speaking about my uh, stepsister. Yeah. I never remember her, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of formative years that you're spending dealing with things. And, and I would go so far as to say in divorced parenting situations, 
you are the person who has to deal with your own drama because everybody else has drama of their own. Whereas in married parent households, I think you get to be a kid a little bit more, like you get to have a little bit less awareness of adult activities and like responsibility for managing other people's emotions. And I wouldn't say that in every married household, but I think a lot of times, you know, of course there are traumas that can be in any situation, but generally speaking, if you had happily married parents and you didn't have like a really traumatic childhood, you probably didn't have to deal with everything by yourself because you weren't managing conflict at a young age, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to talk about coping mechanisms because mine is always shopping. <laughs> shopping and like, I'm very, very close to my mom. So I, I, can't losing Andy was hard, but it's not comparable. And I can't even imagine what that would be like. I would, I think I would rather die, but I, I talked to her a lot or like to Hannah, like, so that's one of my major coping mechanisms is like just venting or sharing with someone else, because then I don't feel so alone in it. So, mm. um, I find that with my female friends, like my male friends and I, like when my friend David went through a breakup, <laughs> he didn't talk about, I mean, he, he was emotional sometimes. For the most part, his coping mechanism was like distract, distract, distract. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We just did other things that didn't revolve around significant others. So I'm curious what kind of coping mechanisms you developed in dealing with such a big loss, whether it be this particular situation or any other kind. Well, okay. So at first I, <laughs> I was basically coached to have any coping mechanisms um, at first, just because like, I was so like, it was so out of left field and I was so numb that I just didn't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the pastor of our church at the time, he actually told me like, you know, go spend time with your friends. Um, and so I did it mainly just because I, I didn't know what else to do. That actually, you know, I, I'd say that kept me sane. And it ultimately, my dad, uh, who he lives on the West coast, he lives in Washington. Um, and he had, moved out there um, maybe a couple years before my mom passed away. He came like as soon as he heard to support me. And he offered to have me come move in with him and his family. And I very seriously considered it. The, the, but the thing that kept me back was that um, I didn't want to be away from all my friends. Mm. And um, I don't regret that decision because I think, I think they're the ones that kept me kind of grounded in reality and not just, you know, I mean, like I definitely experienced a lot of you know, dark depression, but I think it would have been way worse had, you know, had I not spent the time I did with them. You know, I think that's something that I've, uh, you know, continued now. I mean, as I, I think I said before, like I'm, I'm going through divorce. It's actually now almost done, but, uh, when it was new, you know, I kind of realized like, all right, I'm going to need to do things to kind of stay sane. So one of the things I fell back on was spending time with friends and getting out and doing stuff and just distracting myself as much as I can. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, in doing that, I kind of learned you can have different friends for different things. You can have the friends that are just, you know, that are best for just having fun and being crazy and just uh, distraction. You can also have the friends that you can, you can talk to about, you know, the, the more, the heavier things. Um, And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have, both kinds of friends. I would say it's it would probably also be healthy to have some kind of uh, some kind of like goal or you know maybe like a, a hobby that requires you to be engaged. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to find that. Well, you've got um, yoga, which you just took up not too long ago, right? Yes, I'm not as into it now as I was mm-hmm. before. I still do it, you know, at least a couple times a week, but. 
Yeah, I was doing that every day for a while. And mm-hmm. that definitely did. I, I noticed a, a, you know, a huge improvement in both my physical and mental health. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just it's been difficult to, to maintain that as like mm-hmm. a daily thing. But yeah, yoga is definitely a good one. I would recommend that for anybody who is feeling any kind of, you know, whether it be physical stress or mental or emotional or any of the, you know, or all three. Yoga is definitely, um, uh, it's a good way to just kind of get outside yourself and unwind. Um, do, would you say, did you experience any sort of falling off with family members? Were there people that you had been close to that you found this event sort of ruptured that? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I would say, unfortunately, with Rich, my stepfather, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he, you know, he went out of his way to be as welcoming and supportive as he could be. And I will always, I will never forget that. And I'll always be grateful to him for that. But unfortunately, we just never really bonded. You know, he told me I could stay there as long as I needed to. And he, you know, he kind of let me live my life, didn't ask very much of me. And, you know, there were times when I tried to kind of establish a, a better connection with him. But I just, I, I don't think either one of us was really ready for anything like that. And he was also grieving. And that's something that at the time I didn't see. I just didn't understand because I was just so wrapped up in my own grief. And, you know, but now as, as a, you know, as an adult, I have in the hindsight, I can see that, you know, he had lost his wife and, you know, he was also trying to figure out what's next for him. And mm. I don't blame him or begrudge him anything as far as the, you know, the, uh, the deterioration of our relationship. I mean, it would, I wouldn't say it deteriorated. It kind of just fizzled out. Yeah. Otherwise though, I think uh, my family was very supportive. Emma, your mom in particular was very, very supportive. And, you know, I will always be amazingly grateful for that. Yeah. You know, I obviously didn't see much of how you and mama and baba our grandparents um, dealt with it and, you know, no parents should have to bury their child. That's just awful. And in Baba in particular, I saw a marked change in him, you know, and that's when he got the Yorkie not long after that. And he like every particle of love he was capable of was channeled into that dog. So he didn't have much to give to anybody else, which was unfortunate, but also understandable, you know? So I did feel for Mama because it felt to me that she was kind of grieving alone at that point because they were just so separate in how they were grieving. But I do remember you know, seeing my mom go through it and it was awful like to see your parent go through a loss. So I can't even imagine, but she is about to get a puppy and she was really hoping to get it on auntie's birthday. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping she gets it that day just so she has not a positive reminder, but at least something to mark the day with something less awful than what happened, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. Hannah, do you have any particular questions that you're thinking? Yeah, I do. So something that I, I know for my family is really important is most of my family has some sort of faith base. So this probably mm-hmm. is informed by that. But they always look for white feathers or like signs that the the person who's passed on is, you know, looking down on you positively, is watching, is happy, is, you know, not around in an ominous sense, but around in like a positive, uplifting sense, like they are wishing you well from beyond. And I have friends who collect feathers that in specific places at specific times. Um, my, my stepdad lost his dad, um, when he was younger, not as young as you were, but when he was like in his 
thirties or forties. And every time he sees red Cardinals, that was like he and his dad's thing. So the whole family like sends each other pictures of red Cardinals and there's always a ton of them. And just things like that, where you, you associate something specifically with the passage of a loved one, or even in the case of a divorce, you know, there, there are signs that this is the right thing or like, this is going well. So do you have like tokens that you have taken or is that more, I mean, I, I mostly speak to women about it other than my stepdad and his family. I don't think my stepdad in and of himself would have taken that up, but he was raised by a very strong mother. And then he had three sisters or two sisters. So he was quite immersed in female culture in the sense that their grieving process would have included him. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you do or is that something that is just not applicable to your grieving process? Not really. I'm, I, I, I'm not a very sentimental person, you know, and I'm not very spiritual either. So I don't really, you know, I, I can't say that I have like signs like that or anything. I will say, however, there have been, you know, many times over the years where I've, you know, I've thought like, man, I wish I could talk to her just one more time, just have one more conversation with her. And then in 2019, when I saw Avengers Endgame for the first time, I'm assuming everyone here has seen it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Spoiler um, if you're listening. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you now, haven't seen it too bad, <laughs> been out for a while. <laughs> the scene where Thor goes back, back in time and talks to his mom. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, um, don't feel bad. That was, I was floored. I was really, really floored by that scene um, because it, it really did feel like they reached into my head and put it on the screen. And I mean, as you can hear, <laughs> it still means so much to me. I cannot watch that movie and not cry during that part. Mm-hmm. I just can't. And it's a beautiful scene and I love it. And it will always mean something to me for that reason. Mm, thank you. That's lovely. And also very sad at the same time. But I'm glad that you have something, you know, to, uh, I don't know if positive is the right word, but to reflect on, I guess. And I, I see it as a positive thing. Like, I don't think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm crying, but it's, it's, it's a happy cry because uh, that was a feeling that, I mean, I can extrapolate and, and, you know, surmise that anybody that's lost anybody has that same, that same thought process, mm-hmm. but it's not something I'd ever talked about to anybody Mm -hmm. so to see that that exact thought process manifested in a huge blockbuster movie Mm -hmm. um with characters that i love it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. so i i you know i cry but it's out of it's out of joy more than Mm -hmm. anything else honestly yeah i personally when i'm not experiencing anything akin to this but when i am going through a grieving process i find solidarity to be one of the best remedies so in particular so this isn't a grieving process, but just something Hannah and I both struggle with was eating disorders. So talking mm-hmm. to her and they're not comparable, obviously, but just as a comparison, I find it helpful to talk to someone who has direct experience with what I'm dealing with. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I wonder, do you feel comfortable talking now, at least to those in your life who felt the loss, not the same as you, but, you know, ex- you know, experienced it. Granted, I wasn't, I wasn't young, but I would say the distance made it more difficult for me to have a super strong bond with my aunt. You know, it wasn't like we right. didn't know each other, didn't love each other, anything like that. But it was probably like yeah. how you and my mom were, you know, it was like, sure. oh, like we, when we're together, we're all like having fun, this and that, but I don't talk to them every day kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I think for us to talk about it, it would have been difficult, but would you say talking to like, 
I know you said talking to your stepfather was difficult because you were both experiencing the loss very, very hard at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do you find it easier or comforting to talk to people who have experienced a similar loss, even if it's not the same loss that you've experienced? Absolutely. I actually have a very close friend, uh, my friend Mike, who I see about once a month. And um, he, he also lost his mom at a young age, I believe in his 20s. Not quite as young as me, but you know, pretty close. And um, he's also currently going through a divorce. So we, um, you know, we, we both, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I know like he is a very uh, special friend in that I can talk to him about both of those things. And I know exactly that he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And we, we talk about it a lot, you know, and I think it's kind of funny because, you know, anytime I go over there, over to his house, you know, it's, it's always fun. And we usually talk about funny guy stuff, but a lot of times we kind of end up on those kind of serious topics. And I've wondered before if that's because we're kind of the only people that know exactly what that's like for each other. But yeah, it definitely helps to have a a friend like that. Yeah. I think that's just one of those things where your other friends can sympathize. They cannot empathize. And that's a, you know, a marked difference in how they're going to talk to you about it. I think there's definitely a lot of eggshells So for my friends who've experienced similar losses, I never know what to say because I can't Mm -hmm. relate and I want to say the right thing, but I don't want to sound contrived. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance and they have good intentions. I don't want to be that friend that has good intentions, but just like says the wrong thing because they don't know what they're talking about. So, yeah. And I mean, I experienced that as a, when, you know, when my mom passed away, you know, we were very involved in a church. So there were a lot of people you know, offering their help in different ways. And so I got a lot of different kinds, you know, I got the people who said, I, you know, I'm here for you if you need anything. And I got the people who were, who, I mean, I'm sure they had best of intentions, but they just, they really wanted me to know that, you know, they, they, they wanted to be the one to say the thing that's going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. That feels very, it's like, it's, it's selfish in a way. I think people like that, you know, it is. I mean, but I think I, I try to give those people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and you know, they just, they, you don't want to see people suffer. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. So in what I tell people now, cause I've had people ask me hey, like, Hey, my friend's dad just died or whatever. And I have no idea what to, you know, what to tell, what to say to them. What, you know, do you mind telling, like, what should I say? And I tell people, just say, I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm here if you need me and actually be there for them. And also I would say, check in on them, you know, maybe like once a week, just send them a text to say like, Hey, I'm thinking about you, you know, or how are you doing? Just because people, you know, people tend to withdraw when, you know, some people anyway. uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's also worth mentioning that at least from a psychology perspective, sometimes the best thing you can do is not say much like, I think it's a very natural reaction for people to not want people to suffer, not want people to be in pain. So you try to jump in in comfort, but actually feel free to refute this if this wasn't your experience. But a lot of times when people are grieving anything, whether it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a dream, whatever, whatever it is that they're, they're going through, they actually need to let it out more than they need to let people influence their thoughts or let something in if that makes sense like they need that emotional release and they need to speak about it because a lot of times people are like what you were saying earlier Brian when you're holding it back or you're you're putting it to the side and the thing that would have been the most helpful in some of those situations probably would have been just someone saying how are you doing or asking a a fine-tooth question that was like what is it 
that you're feeling right now? Or how can I support you rather than offering wisdom, advice, or overt sympathy that kind of drags on beyond like, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So yeah, I, I think everything you said, Hannah, is I, I totally agree with. And I, I would also just add that everybody needs, you know, like, yes, people, it's, it's better to like, if you're the person who's supporting the person who is grieving, it's, it's better to be just kind of quiet and let them process it how they need to. But I think one thing that is important to know is, uh, or to understand rather, is you cannot push someone to, to get, you know, to actually to process that. Like mm-hmm. that, that's something that everybody needs to do on their own time. Yeah. And for some people, it just takes longer. Um, it took me years, you know, like to really, truly kind of sort through all my thoughts and then figure out who I was, you know, mm-hmm. pe- people are complicated. And so it's just, it's, you never, you're, it's impossible to know how long it's going to take for, you know, any given person to, to mm-hmm. get there. Not to totally shift gears, but in terms of processing your grief and how you're dealing with things and what that looks like for you, if you're open to sharing it, what does that look like for you with the divorce? Cause obviously it's different than processing mm-hmm. the loss of a loved one in the sense that it's not only sadness and fond memories. There are a lot of mixed emotions, I'm sure, mm-hmm. that go into that. So what has that experience been like? I don't want to say contrasted because I don't think you should or could contrast them, but in you know, it's interesting in a different I was gonna, aspect. I was going to ask that same thing, not like, because obviously I think not so specifically, I guess just in general, like you experience loss of love one, loss of relationship, loss of many things. And I have to wonder, would you find that your process, much like I was saying, is your process the same to a different degree for each thing? Or would you see, like, would you say that having experienced one lends itself to how you handle the other? Yeah, I would. The experience of, of grieving for my mother's death did inform in a lot of ways how I dealt with the separation and subsequent divorce. You know, uh, unfortunately, the uh, when the separation happened, it had kind of been a long time coming. So it right away felt good for me, at least, um, just because I felt like I had, you know, not flourished in this relationship the way I, I hoped I would. And, and, you know, I didn't like who I was because of it. So it, immediately, right, right when it happened, I felt kind of a sense of relief. But I did know that, you know, that that wasn't going to last, that, you know, there were going to be dark times and that I was going to need to deal with that. So I did, you know, I knew kind of a little bit of what to expect in terms of like coping mechanisms. So I knew that like, all right, I need to, I need to keep certain people in my life and I need to keep in contact with them. And I need to, you know, I cannot let myself just rot in my room, you know, watching TV and I need to, you know, stay connected to the world. And I also, you know, I kind of knew like, I, I, I need to try new things, you know, because like I spent seven years in a relationship as, you know, one person. And I realized that like, I'm, I'm going to have to become a new person in some respects. You know, I knew kind of upfront that, you know, this is a life changing event. So I'm going to need to be able to kind of go with the flow. And, you know, the grieving process, you know, I mean, I, I look at the word, you know, grief as like, the loss of something. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's most commonly associated with the loss of death, but I, you know, I I think you can grieve the loss of a relationship and that is something I have done. That's another thing that's going to be different for everybody, but I I would say it's very similar to the loss of a person. 
getting used to someone not being in your life anymore or or maybe just them being something different you know that that brings with it a lot of changes I would say your position is unique in that you experienced arguably a much harder loss initially before you experienced a relationship loss and I think most people don't experience it that way you know like men that I've dated who have experienced losses of relationship and they've grieved over that most of them don't allow themselves to process it correctly before they move into the next relationship and that obviously influences their dating patterns and that is much to my chagrin on this podcast you know like that's something I talk about all the time because these guys come in with traumas that they're not addressing because they don't know how you know and they probably don't grow up in environments that teach them how to deal with those things. And they probably don't have great relationships with their parents in the case of men that I tend to seem to gravitate towards, but they still have them. So if they haven't had to face a hard reality, you know, so um, it's almost like they haven't been forced to learn how to grieve. So they won't. And so I think that it's not that necessarily uncommon, just that I think that yours is a more rare exception to how you now deal with losses compared to most people. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I'd ever really thought about it in that way, but that's, yeah, that's, that's a, that's an interesting um, thing to point out. I I hadn't really connected those two, but I could definitely see how there could be a lot of truth to that. Another thing I kind of processed, you know, during the, the initial separation and whatnot was, you know, I had to figure out like, okay, what do I want out of life and how does another person fit into that? And if I do want someone else to be in my life, what kind of person do I want to be with? So that, you know, that was a whole, it was a lot to figure out. And I definitely think having had to make those kinds of big life decisions earlier in my life and spending a lot of that time kind of fumbling over myself and trying to figure out, you know, that, that probably prepared me in a lot of ways that I didn't really foresee. Would you say that this is probably more the psychologist in me than just the podcast person, but would you say, I'm not sure about the timeline for your relationship versus when you like what age you guys met and, and started dating and got married, but would you say that it was more heavily influenced by the period after you lost your mom and the way that you were dealing with emotions, given that you said you were kind of a different version of yourself. You, you were uh, a much less you version of you, if I'm, if I'm remembering how you described it. And that would make sense to me in a world where you were pressing down or pressing aside certain facets of dealing with your mom's loss and dealing with that pain and moving onward and to something else to keep from having a breakdown or from dealing with it in totality. It would make sense to me that you would go into a relationship slightly different than you would in a space where, as you were just saying, like you had dealt with all of the grief that you could at the time and that you were like a a healed person ready to step into a new relationship. Does that make sense? I wouldn't say it directly because I think, uh, let's see, when I met um, my soon-to-be ex-wife, that was a few years after my mom had passed away. And I think by then I had kind of worked through the worst of the grief, but I would, I think indirectly. Yeah. I think it did influence because I I think, you know, I was the person I was when I met her because of what I went through losing my mom and kind of figuring out who I was and what I wanted, 
And mm. I think I gravitated towards my ex-wife at the time because I thought she was what I wanted out of life. And that was kind of influenced by the things that I had been through. And, you know, over time, both on my own and in being with her, I realized like, no, this is not what I wanted. And we, we are not good for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all I have is an outsider's perspective because I only, I think I've seen her in person twice in the entire time that I've known the two of you as a, as a unit, you know, mm-hmm. it was when he brought her home to meet the immediate family and, and then at the wedding, which by the way, had a beautiful tribute to his mother, had her portrait in a sea. It was lovely. It was wonderful. Um, awesome. My mom, my mom and my grandma both like, cried immediately when they saw it. Like it was a very emotional moment for everybody. And I, I don't think that she preyed on that. I don't, I want to believe that she's not that kind of person who would prey on like the grief of a person or anything like that. But I guess my question is, did you gravitate towards her for did she fill a gap that you felt you had? Was there like a void that you thought maybe she could sort of fill in for you? Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Not at first. I think at first I was just, I was simply attracted to her physically and, you know, also just, I, I, in getting to know her, I, I enjoyed her company and her personality. But then once we actually got together and started living together, I do think she kind of became kind of like a almost like a filled out like a maternal role in my life that mm-hmm. um I think maybe subconsciously I missed you know because my mom was very heavy-handed <laughs> in in my in raising me and um I understand why you know now I was her only child and I have a heart condition and you know when, when I was very young you know it was a little touch and go for a little bit so I get it. She was overprotective. But um, I think in doing that, I kind of got used to having someone just take care of things for me. And then that is what my ex-wife kind of became in my life. And that is, you know, one of many things that ultimately led to the dysfunction in our relationship. So I will say you have seemed to come back to life now that you are where you are, you know, obviously I'm not around you all the time, but if I can tell the difference now in comparison to then, I just think that you're just so much better off. Now you seem to know what you really want out of life and you're happy with someone who is not filling a role for you and you're with because you want to be with and not because you feel like you need to be with them, which I think is just a huge step. So yeah. Snaps. Um, snaps, Brian. Yeah, no, I am much happier now. You know, I do my best to not, you know, hold a grudge or any kind of animosity, which mm-hmm. can be difficult at times because she wants There are to reasons. I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's not who I want to be. You know, I, I don't know exactly what I want out of my life, but I think I'm finally at a place where I need to be okay with that mm-hmm. and kind of just let things unfold and happen. And, you know, that's scary at times for sure. But I've kind of learned through experience now that I'm happier doing that than stressing over, you know, trying to plan out the future, which never works out the way I expect it to. So story of my life. I think, I mean, not to, not to be one of those people that I was like, try not to give advice. Just listen. Here's me giving advice, but um, she enters the chat to give advice and her opinion, but it's something that I, I have had given to me and something that I say to Emma quite frequently, which is make sure 
and I would say it to anybody, like make sure that no matter what space you're going into in your life, you're focusing as a single person, you know, not married, that you're focusing so much on what it is that you need and how you feel and, and understanding and knowing yourself really well. Cause I think one of the biggest stakes that we make in relationships as people is we go into relationships focused so much on the compatibility of others and on the ability of others to mesh with us and to meet our needs or to, to complement us really well, that we don't focus on ourselves as singles. And then we get into these long-term relationships or new relationships or marriages, you know, the spectrum. And we end up discovering so much about what we needed that we didn't know and what we, what we actually cannot live without and what we have to live without. And and I think, especially in the modern era, there's a lot of constancy. There's a lot of like, we're always dating. We're like, even if you're single, you're always dating. And so I think one of the things that that misses out on for a lot of people our age and a lot of young people is that time and space to just know yourself and understand deeply who you are, what you need, and the things that you're not willing to compromise on. And then the people who enter your life will either hit that threshold or they won't instead of constantly evaluating, is this person hitting this need on this day? Is this person good enough in this category or area? Is this person doing this or that? You know, it's, it's so much less investigative and so much more the energy that you put out is the energy that you'll attract kind of thing. Yeah. I agree with that completely. And that is, you know, that's something I kind of figured out on my own through, you know, through trial and error, because, you know, like anybody who has not, who's, who's been in a long-term relationship and gets out, uh, I immediately jumped into the dating pool. You know, I wasn't looking for anything serious, but I just, you know, like I wanted to see what was out there. But it's and, like the number one thing that people tell you to do. It's not take time, right, yeah. recover, deal with what you just went through, become yeah. wholly yourself recognize your own needs, then go back out as a healthy human. It's like the best way to get over someone is get under someone. Yeah, but we are creatures of habit, you know, and when that habit is broken for you, that's, it's world-changing, mind-blowing. And all you want is to go back to the habit. And the only thing you can think of is to create it, you know, so- Right. And, you know, at a certain point I did realize like this is doing more harm than good and I need to step away from it. You know, that was not an easy thing to do just because, I mean, look, if I'm being honest, you know, something I figured out about myself is I don't like to be alone. I like to have companionship, whether that's with friends or with a significant other. And, you know, with a significant other, that's basically like having a friend that's around more often and you can do certain things with that you can't do with just a friend. And um, so like baking. Hey, exactly. with, <laughs> benefits exist. It just doesn't work. So. You it's never bake difficult. alone. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, I did kind of realize at a certain point, like I need to stop this. I need to take a step back and just trust that it will work eventually, but it will only work if I take the time to actually be patient and let it happen naturally. And, you know, that time was very valuable and, you know, like it was hard. There were definitely times when I got super lonely, but it was important because I, you know, I did eventually realize, you know, like, okay, I know now that yes, I do want to be in a relationship mainly because I value companionship. You know, there's a certain type of companionship you get in a relationship that I like, 
But if I'm going to find that, it means I need to be patient and I need to let it happen. You know, as I just said, you know, you need to let it happen naturally. I would say people always told me when I was single, because I like Emma knows this, but I was the single friend. Like on this podcast, I'm the old decrepit married lady, you know, <laughs> we have such places. yeah, I, I have, I was the single friend. I was the fifth wheel at everything. Like that was my lane and I knew it. And I always got the advice like, oh, it'll happen when you least expect it. And I'm like, well, that's the worst surprise to tell me about because I already know about the surprise. So I'm never going to not expect the surprise. It's like, oh, we're planning you a birthday party, but we're not going to tell you when. Like, I know you're planning me a birthday party. So I'm just constantly looking for balloons. Like that, (laughs) that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And so with my husband, I, I wasn't not looking for someone because I think that's kind of a fallacy of like, you are looking for someone because if you're open to a relationship, you're automatically looking for someone, but I wasn't pursuing it in the same way that I had done before, which I think Mm -hmm. is what you're saying, which is like, I wasn't putting all of my effort into being in the right places and like meeting the right people and following up with them and trying to have a lot of conversations. I was really looking for a genuine connection and I was fine being by myself. And I, I think it doesn't happen when you least expect it in the sense that it's like, like out of nowhere, you know, big bang theory, it just happens, but it does happen when you are a secure enough person, not to be desperately seeking something that you don't actually want. And you're not actually ready for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Why are you attacking me? Is my first question. (laughs) Emma feels attacked because it's so accurate. (laughs) I mean, I'll totally admit there were times you know, with this current woman, um, where I was, you know, I kind of recognized like, damn, I really like this chick. Like, she's really like, she's pretty much everything I was looking for. And in some cases I I was, I didn't even know it, but I knew that I cannot say it. I just, (laughs) well, I can't like make her the goal. I just know that if I, by doing that, I'm, I might actually push her away. But, you know, so I, that's the thing. It's like, I learned that like, I'm, I have to be patient with her. But in doing that, I also kind of had to accept that this might not work. And I have to be okay with that. Like, as much as I like her and as much as I want it to work long-term, I have to be prepared for the fact that it might not. Mm-hmm. And it might not be my fault or her fault. It might just not work out. It's something that I need to be okay with. So. Yeah. Got to constantly be evaluating, I think. Not in like a cynical sense, but just in like a, are we both where we want to be kind of way, you know? So, yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been an extensive conversation and I, we could go all night. I'm sure if we really wanted to, but for the sake of the listeners who are now like, great. Now we're talking about love and love is dead. AKA Emma. Uh, when Emma's listening back and thinking, <laughs> great, <laughs> I have to edit this. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm very happy for both of you. I'm also, I get the most things done when I'm single. So I'm not unhappy about my, my uh, position in life. Like I'm totally, I chose it. So it's fine. But aside from that, just a real quick sidebar, like singleness is not a negative thing. Singleness mm-hmm. does not mean you not failed the relationship test. Singleness does not mean that you like are not worthy of love or that you haven't found your person. You know, you are loved, accepted, seen and valuable without another person. And as soon as you start putting that on another person to deliver it to you, that's when you're in a difficult space. So like mm-hmm. 
singleness is not a punishment. It's not a problem. It's not something you need to solve. It's not. And we talk about it in especially like modern movies as like a sad thing or like a thing that needs to be cured. Like it's some sort of disease and it's not, it's a huge, good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Opportunity. I mean, I think I I agree. (laughs) Okay. Well, I just want to thank you for talking about difficult things. Yes. Thank you so much. You know, I think that the biggest thing that we can do for people to feel more comfortable expressing grief and experiencing it is to talk about it yep. and make this a, a, a zone of solidarity. So, and empathy, sympathy, et cetera, all the other thieves that we could be the T's, the thieves, all, all the of thieves. it. So I'd like everyone to give their final closing thoughts if they have any. I don't have any. I would just echo what Emma said. Thank you so much for sharing what you shared and thank you for being vulnerable. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's really a powerful thing when you let that out and that can teach somebody or affect somebody or help somebody. So I think, you know, feel really good about that. Like that's going to be helpful for someone. Thank you. And thank you for, for listening and being receptive. I, weirdly enough, I actually kind of enjoy being vulnerable just because I've kind of learned that if you're vulnerable with people and you're willing to talk about things, you can learn new things about yourself. So Mm. yeah. Thank you for having me on and giving me a you know, form to talk about these things. Of course. Anytime. All right. Well, team, emphasis on the team. We're so happy that you joined us here today. If you're here, I'm going to assume you are because otherwise I can't. Who are we talking to? Emotionally process that. <laughs> and I refuse to believe there's not at least 40 people here right this second before I've even released the episode. So thank you for preemptively joining us. As always, I am Emma. I am Hannah. And I'm Brian. Oh, that's the tea.